Welcome to the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. I'm your host, Mary Jolkowski. I'm an author, speaker, and all-around self-love advocate. And this is the podcast that'll inspire you to love yourself. Hello, my self-lovers. Before we dive into today's podcast episode, I want to make sure that you're giving yourself the gift of self-love. Now, if you don't know what the gift of self-love is, it's a workbook that will help you build confidence, recognize your worth, and learn to finally love yourself. And it's now available in stores and online worldwide. Oh my goodness, I've been waiting to say that because I've been working on this book for years. I poured my heart and soul into it, compiling everything that I teach at my retreats and putting it into this heartfelt, relatable, and actionable workbook for you. The cool thing is this book is a combination of me sharing my life story and everything that's helped me on this self-love journey, including body acceptance, and it's a workbook that you can actually write in. So every single thing that I share, you can put into practice right away. There are quizzes, journal prompts, self-reflection exercises, self-love challenges, all of which will help you with body image, confidence, self-worth, and self-love. I'm holding it right here. It's right in front of me and it's absolutely gorgeous. Not to toot my own horn or anything, but we've nailed the design on this one. It makes such a wonderful gift both for yourself and for your loved ones. Perhaps you have a friend that could really use this message and that, you know, needs a little push, loving push in the right direction. And I think that this book is just a great gift. Hence, the gift of self-love. So if you haven't gotten it yet, you can get it today by going to maryscupoftea.com slash book. I'm certain that the tools I share in this book will change your life as much as they've changed mine. So again, that's maryscupoftea.com slash book and give yourself the gift of self-love. Hello, my self-lovers. Welcome to another episode of the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. Holy shit. It's 2022. We have made it. We have made it through another year in the early 2020s, which is so weird to say. But hey, I am so proud of us. I know it has not been ideal, but we're here and we're okay doing the best we can. And to celebrate this new year, I have a special treat of a podcast episode for you today. I am in conversation with Raw Goddess. And in case you don't know who Raw is, she is just such a light. I first got the privilege, the honor and the privilege to experience her light at a conference. And I saw her speak on stage and I honestly don't remember what she talked about, but it was the way that she made me feel and the energy that she embodied. It's just, Ra is one of those people you look at her and you're just like mesmerized by the magic. Like there's just so much magic in that one being. It's just absolutely astounding. And of course, this woman is so incredibly accomplished. Ra Goddess is the entrepreneurial soul coach behind hundreds of breakthrough change makers, cultural visionaries, and social entrepreneurs. From multiple New York Times bestsellers to multi-million dollar social enterprises, Ra's unique methodology has empowered a new generation of conscious entrepreneurs to stay true, get paid, and do good. From the onset of her more than 30-year career as a cultural innovator, social impact strategist, and creative change agent, Ra has drawn on the power of creativity, culture, and community to move hearts, minds, and policy. 
Her book, The Calling, which is published by St. Martin's Press, and it is available for you today. You can get it on Amazon. It's also linked for you in the show notes. This book leverages Ra's unique methodology into a step-by-step blueprint for finding your purpose and making your most profitable contribution. I have had a chance to check out the book, and it is incredible for somebody who is looking to have a career shift, thinking that maybe you want to do something different with your life, but you don't really know what that could be. Maybe you want to start a side hustle or a new business, or you're just not really feeling your job, but you're struggling to find your passion, your purpose, your calling. This book is for you, and Ra's words will just hit you straight into the soul. We talk about so much in this conversation. I am honestly struggling to title it. Like I'm recording this intro before I even come up with the title for this episode because it just goes in so many different deep directions. We talk about reflecting on the new year and making sure that we go into 2022 feeling intentional and just like grounded in our values. I think this is especially timely because this time last year, we all kind of rolled into 2021 like, oh God, not this again. But hopefully we could have a different energy for the year to come. I know I'm really big on that. So I'm actually going to be re-listening to this podcast episode with Ra for myself and doing that New Year's practice that she talks about at the beginning. And we also have it linked for you in the show notes in case you want to refer back to it. We also talk about dealing with difficult family members, dealing with loss and grief, which so many of us have experienced this year. Ra also so generously shares with us her predictions for 2022 in terms of like what the theme of the year is going to be. Like, what is it going to be like? What is this overarching energy that we're all going to be kind of dealing with. That is going to be a big thing for this episode, and I really, really love her insight as to what the next year has in store for us. And this is arguably my favorite part, and it was totally a selfish question, but about 45, 40-ish minutes into the episode, I asked Ra about her relationship to capitalism because I think it's something we're all waking up to that our current systems, our current structures in society aren't necessarily beneficial for a lot of people, especially marginalized people. And the fact that we're just so burnt out, but we have to work to pay the bills and survive. And the fact that a lot of us are just constantly hustling, trying to prove our worth on a mindset level, but also like literally trying to pay the bills and make something of ourselves in a society that puts so much logistical and mental and emotional pressure on us to do that. And I really love Ra's insight as to how she's made peace with capitalism and used it for good. Because one of my biggest takeaways from her is that it's not enough to just be anti-something. You really have to have a vision. And as she was speaking, I was just thinking about how being anti, like even think about anti-diet, anti-diet culture, like anti-this, anti-that, that is great. And it's definitely a start. And we definitely should get angry at the way things are. But it's also not sustainable in order for us to create change. If we're constantly living in that resentment and anger, then essentially we're just so 
caught up in our own minds and in comments on the internet, fighting with our family members, getting outraged. And that feeds into what I call outrage culture, which honestly is more isolating, more divisive, and more harmful, at least in the corners of the internet that I've seen it expressed. So all of that to say this episode is timely, it's relevant, it hits straight to the heart and soul, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. I was just like so in the moment. I barely talked, which is so great because usually I talk a little too much in my opinion. So please enjoy Raw Goddess on the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast. Hello, everyone. Guess who I'm with? The one and only Ra Goddess. Ra, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm doing so well, Mary. Thank you so much for having me. It's my joy to be here. I have a very like personal question that I wanted to start off with, and that really is the simple question of how are you doing today? I mentioned before we started recording that You've caught me at a time where I'm a little bit stressed out about my upcoming retreat and borders potentially being impacted and travel disruptions. And I think a lot of people that I've spoken to have been feeling like just as they thought we saw the light at the end of the tunnel, everything's kind of being questioned again. So I'm wondering how how you're doing and if anything's coming up for you and how you're working through that on a personal level. Yeah, I think this whole experience has been a real profound exercise in surrender Mm. at every level. And some days are better than others, Mary, right? (laughs) And I do feel like we are in this consistent dance of, are we open? Are we closed? Are we in? Are we out? Right. And I think the practice of sustained discomfort, the practice of prolonged uncertainty is what we're all learning how to navigate right now. And a new world on the other side, right? Because even as we come back, we understand that we're not going back. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Whatever it is that we step into as being the new reality is absolutely going to be different than what we've known. And I think how do we cultivate a sense of patience with ourselves? How do we cultivate a sense of patience with others? How do we cultivate a sense of patience with circumstances that, that are not ideal while at the same time not falling into apathy or complacency? You know what I mean? Like, like I feel like all of it is a dance right now. And What I'm most present to as I interact with my beloveds and just kind of check into my own mind, body, spirit is how do I close the year strong? Mm -hmm. This is the time where, you know, fatigue sets in, (laughs) right? It's like, you know, it can be easy to daydream about the eggnog and then next week or at the end of the week or, you know, I think all those things. How do I stay present to the moment at hand? How do I stay present to the commitments at hand? How do I stay compassionate with my people knowing that they're experiencing that as well? I think these are all of the things that are on my my mind and heart today. Yeah. And it's all questions that I, I always grapple with and I pose them to myself. And then I'm like, how do I answer this when <laughs> I'm in a 
a heightened emotional state, if that makes sense. At the time when our conversation is going to release, it'll actually be our first podcast of 2022, which is so wild to think about. So I was talking to a girlfriend last week and we mentioned how this time last year, we kind of just fell into the new year and we were like, oh God, not this again. you know. And I don't think anybody was excited. I don't think anybody was intentional. I don't think that any of us, I mean, at least I didn't really take that much time to think about reflections and hopes and dreams and intentions for the new year. Is there any way that you approach a new year or I don't know if it's any kind of mental reset doesn't necessarily have to be related to a new year, but is there any way that you approach like getting grounded before a new time period? Yeah. As our our Move the Crowd community is also a community of practice, we do have two really kind of hard and fast rituals that we stand by. And that is that we close the year with a process we call taking stock. And In that process, we go through the four areas of gratitude, acknowledgement, completion, and celebration. And that reflective process is priceless in the sense that it gives us an opportunity, one, to even acknowledge the fact that we've made it. And this is one of those years, especially, I don't know for you, Mary, but for me, a lot of people who started the year with me are not ending the year with me in terms of being in physical form. We've had a lot of loss, especially, at least in my reality, in the last six weeks. I've had a number of people uh, pass, including Bell Hooks, who, for those of you who do not necessarily study, formally study feminism, she's one of the pioneers of Black feminism and many others. But I will say that the opportunity of taking stock is to go that with all of the concerns and the anxieties and the fear and the things that we're navigating, we're still here. And that that is a blessing and a gift that we cannot take for granted. Yeah. Any semblance of health and well-being we have cannot take that for granted, especially in a climate that we're in right now. And so we take stock And we utilize the time to be reflective and reflective not only from the perspective of gratitude, but also reflective from the perspective of what was missing this year and those places where we maybe have fallen short of where we wanted to arrive at or what we wanted to achieve and and noticing what contributed to the things that made us successful. We also look at completion from the perspective of not only what are those promises that we have out there where we're maybe needing to dot our I's and cross our T's to close the year or promises we know we're not going to get done into the new year, but also what are those conversations that we may need to have with collaborators or fellow coworkers or beloveds or family members where maybe there has been conflict And there's an opportunity for resolution. And then where are those places where we get to get complete with ourselves? Maybe where we've been beating up on ourselves. We've been hard on ourselves about something we didn't get done or something we didn't do as well as we would have liked. And so the process of taking stock isn't just about taking an inventory of all of what we did or didn't do, 
but rather it's an energetic completion, right? Like a mental, spiritual, emotional opportunity to really complete the energy of the year so that we're not carrying or dragging that into the new year with us. And so we close the year with that practice. And then we open the year. And because we're in the top of 2022, we will probably have just been on the other side of our New Year's message. And so, you know, if you're listening to this podcast pre-January 9th, it's coming up on the 9th (laughs) and we'll have links for you. Or if you're listening post the 9th, we'll still be able to give you access to it. But that moment, that tradition is a spiritual download that I receive at the top of the year that helps us set the tone for the coming year. And I'll give us a little peek under the tent, Mary, right? Because, you know, this is, you know, this is your community and your beloveds. And it's my joy to be of service in this way. But 2022 is going to be all about standing and courage Mm. and how we grow our capacity to live courageously. Courage is a practice, right? You know, I think sometimes we think it's, this thing that you get once and then you just have it all the time. But you and I both know that the truth is that courage is an active practice. And it's something that we, we need to engage in almost daily if we really want to live a life that is rooted in authenticity and integrity. If we really want to make our highest contribution, we really want to be our best selves. We really want to make a difference in the lives of others. The practice of courage is necessary, right? Yeah. What is an example of practicing courage? And also, what do you mean by standing? That download you received, what is standing? Standing in something, standing up, standing yeah. down. What does it mean to stand? Yeah. When we think of this idea or this opportunity to stand, a lot of what we want to inquire into is what is it that we're standing on? What are the values and the principles that we want to have govern the way that we live our lives? Now, for some of us, we're very much acutely aware of what our principles and our values are when it comes to certain things. But in many cases, there are times when we're in situations and circumstances and we're not clear about where we're standing. And we're not clear about what we're standing on or we're not clear about what we're standing for. And so in 2022, we are going to have the opportunity to get really grounded and profoundly connected to what matters. What is it that we say is really important, especially as we are coming out of a year of what I call sifting and sorting, right? So, Hmm. you know, in our last year's practice, our theme for 2021 was permission granted new life, new liberty. And we spent a year going deep on permission and looking at all of the places where we were giving ourselves permission, all the places where we were not giving ourselves permission. And what were we discovering about ourselves as we began to bump up against those places of self-imposed confinement or self-imposed limitation, right? And in this conversation of the new year in 2022, it's about Now that we've recognized where all that limitation has resided, are we ready or are we willing 
to lean into the discipline of courage. And that's courageous speaking. That is courageous living. That is courageous connection. That is courageous expression. And so this standing is important because what we're standing on or what we're standing for often gives us what there is to do and gives us who there is to be in any particular instance or situation or circumstance, right? So I'll give you an example. So I am in a conversation right now with another family member who is concerned about a member of our family. And they have raised grave concerns about what's going on and the situation and the desire to intervene and want to, with all the best intentions, control, right? (laughs) And we know you all, because this is the time of year, we're also, we're mixing it up with family, right? When we come into, or however we define family, we are either gathering with family or we are navigating the choice not to gather. And you hear what I'm saying, you all, right? Or engage in certain ways, right? All this is the time when it all comes up, right? And what I'm standing for is peace, peace of mind, peace of heart, peace of soul, peace of spirit. And so even though I may want to check in with that family member and I may want to have a conversation with that family member about what's going on, it is not my place to dictate. It is not my place to control or attempt to control or guilt or pressure, right? It's my opportunity to be present, to share where I'm at, and then to really allow, to allow that person to also share where they are, to allow that person to also be who they are in a conversation. Now, if I was standing for being right, I would be taking a very different approach. Right. I have the answer. I have the solution. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Let me come up in here and fix. (laughs) Let me come up in here and manage. And we don't often even recognize when that's happening. Right. Because when we feel that we're in crisis or somebody else is in crisis or a situation is in any way, shape or form critical, Our first inclination is to firefight, right? And many of us have mastery at firefighting. I know, Lord knows I did (laughs) for many (laughs) years. PhD in three alarm firefighting. But as I've gotten a little older and hopefully a little wiser, I have learned that one, no matter what I'm perceiving, I don't often have the whole picture. And two, that everything is not mine to fix and solve. And so when I'm standing for peace, peace of mind, peace of heart, peace of spirit, I enter from a very, very different place. I'm much more relaxed in my being. I'm much more open. I'm much more curious, inquisitive, rather than right or ready or directive or dictatorial in the way that I engage. Mm-hmm. 
And it gives me a different experience. It gives me a different quality of experience. Mm -hmm. What I'm really hearing you say, and I already see just the big golden thread in even the last 15 minutes of your wisdom is that we in general, or like a lot of people's default is to kind of be intentionless, whether it's going into the new year and not knowing what we're standing on or standing for, or going into a family dinner and being reactive with people that we care about, although with good intentions and well-meaning, we are kind of wobbling. The visual that I'm receiving is that standing is the opposite from wobbling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We're really standing in our values and getting clear on those before we walk into any room, any conversation, any new year, any situation, even if it's chaotic. Yeah. We're asking, what am I committed to? What am I committed to here? What's really important? And I think to your point, this intentionlessness, <laughs> right? Or this living and acting and being, I say, by default gives us a particular experience that is very distinct from the experience of being conscious and caring and careful, not as in cautionary careful, but as in full of care, mindful, mm. honoring about how we want to move. Mm, I love that. And I think that's the positive expression of a lot of us who may struggle with mental health or anxiety, or even if we just find ourselves overthinking, perfectionistic thinking, or struggling with loving ourselves and being in full embodiment of our worth. I think the opposite and the expansive positive expression of those quote-unquote negative qualities are actually, I really love careful is full of care and conscientious and just living that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well, we kind of dived in <laughs> so quickly and Gosh, I don't know. You have a way about you. It's just so captivating and I'm soaking up all your wisdom. So I didn't even start this episode like I usually would about, you know, the story and tell us how you got here and what you do. And now that I'm thinking about it, it's kind of like the least interesting thing about you because the most interesting thing about you is how you be and just the way you're so embodied and connected and empowered and empowering. And I remember the first time I experienced this was back in 2018 when I heard you speak at a conference. And I truly don't remember what exactly you said, but I remember how you made me feel. And it's just your energy is so powerful. I'm sure our listeners can already sense it in the first 19 minutes of this episode. I hope that you hear that a lot. And I just, I see so many gifts in you and admire you so much. And now I'm nervous talking, but <laughs> my question to that is, where does that come from? Did you learn to be like this? Are you just like, is your last name really goddess? I think that's <laughs> something we all want to know <laughs> is that if it is, I wouldn't be surprised at all. <laughs> First of all, thank you for all of that. I'm humbled by that. 
for so many reasons. I think what I aspire to and who I aspire to be is a practice. And you all are going to hear me use that term ad nauseum probably, right? By the time we're done. But I believe that all, all of anything that we want to have, do, be, or achieve is about what we practice. Is about what we practice. And so my name, because it, it actually will connect <laughs> to this, where did you come from and how did you get here? And so my name came from an 86-day fasting vision quest that I had the privilege of being held through by an amazing woman by the name of Queen Afua. And at the time that I went into this experience, I had designed a pretty great life on paper, but I was restless, mentally, spiritually, emotionally restless. My soul was crying out for more. And I I share that because I feel that so many of the people that I meet and I have conversations with, their souls are restless. So on the outside, often looking in, it seems like they have it all together or they have what others would envy or dream of or imagine to want to have. But there's an unrest. There's a blessed unrest on the inside. And it has everything to do with alignment, right? And the degree to which we feel like we are living in concert with the truth of who we know ourselves to be. Now, the truth of who we know ourselves to be can often be elusive. And so, so much of my work, Mary, of working with people around purpose and calling is to help people find that elusive self. <laughs> mm. I'm so sorry. My ESL is showing and I don't want to like type to my computer and look up the definition. What does elusive mean? Aha. So elusive means hard to touch, hard to grab, hard to hold on to, fleeting, like it comes and it goes, but I don't really feel like I have a handle on it. Right. Mm. And so what I feel that we experience sometimes with our inner selves is we have these moments of real strength and real empowerment. And then we wake up the next day and we are doubting everything about ourselves, you know, from what we wear to how we wear our hair. And, and there is this sense of coming and going of our true self or a sense of coming and going of our sense of confidence. And often when we're in the experiences of life and we are living by default, right? In other words, someone else has set the agenda and we're trying to fulfill on it, or we've bought into a particular belief that what is true for someone else is true for us. But as we start to live it, we feel a disconnect that that's often where that restlessness comes into play, right? The sense of not being settled. And so much of what was happening for me at the time was that I was in a job where I was doing good work, but it wasn't my work. I was in a relationship with somebody that I cared about, but I didn't necessarily feel like it was going anywhere, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. 
And I was just hanging, hanging out. And life wasn't horrible, but it wasn't amazing either. And I kept getting these glimpses or these nudges or these visions of another me living another reality. And I kept feeling in my soul this hunger or this thirst that I was meant to do more. I was meant to be more. I was meant to have more. I was meant to express more, but I couldn't reach it. So when I talk about this elusive, right, it was out of reach, (laughs) right? Like Mm -hmm. I couldn't all the way see it, but what I could see, I had no idea how to get from where I was to where those images kept showing me I was quote unquote supposed to be. And so I felt that restlessness and I decided that I was going to shake it up. And the way that I was going to shake it up was to agree to do this fast, (laughs) this 86 day cleansing fast and vision quest. And my name came at the very, very beginning. I was in a meditation and my name was spoken in the meditation to me. And I was told that the name was about responsibility that I was a bearer of the light and that it was my responsibility to reveal, to bring truth. And that sometimes it would show up and feel very nurturing. And sometimes it would show up and feel very hard and very fiery. But that in order for me to be able to do that, I had to live that. I had to be that. And that the 86-day journey that I was embarking on was going to give me a glimpse into what would be required in order to really fulfill on that mission. And so that is how my name came. And in the comedic tradition, my name is pronounced Ra'at Interrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrr
And Queen Afu and I would pass each other on the steps from time to time. She would have her lesson after I would have my lesson. One day, I stopped her on the stair and we started talking and she just looked in my eyes and she said, it's time, beloved, it's time. Because she could see or feel my unrest, my questioning, my grappling, my struggling, my inner struggle, inner turmoil. And it was through that invitation that I then went and sat with her. And this was a period in my life where I was doing that seeking and searching. And, you know, I know that your listeners on this podcast, because even they're listening to this podcast, they're seeking and searching on some level to build their own confidence, to feel comfortable in their own skin, to love and appreciate who they are, to realize and recognize who they are. And very much like all of you all who are listening, that was me. I was seeking. I was searching. I was reading books. I was listening to talks. I was going to events. I was trying to discover or find or better understand what this inner turmoil or tug of war was all about. And on that stair with Queen, in that moment where she just said, it's time, come on in, I knew that opportunity or that experience had been sort of orchestrated just for me. Mm -hmm. And we have those experiences. What we sometimes want to call a coincidence, we know is often not a coincidence. The way that people find you and know that when they hear your voice, that they're supposed to work with you. Yeah. A way that books fall off shelves. Mm or opportunities drop in our laps. That is the magic and the mystery of life co-conspiring on our behalf. Mm. That's what I receive a lot from my retreat students, the women who come to my retreats. They will usually say something along the lines of, oh my gosh, this was so out of character for me. I never do stuff like this. It was so spontaneous. I just felt like I had to. (laughs) And that's the best thing to hear. Yeah, yeah. I know you mentioned that that was almost 24 years ago and I'm almost 24. So I am going to believe that it might've been on my birthday. (laughs) Right. And it's so beautiful in the way that those connections and those realizations show up. And they happen all of the time, Mary. We don't always know to look for them. Right. And we don't always see them. But if we are aware and if we are paying attention, we will find those winks, I like to call them, right? Are those loving nudges everywhere. I am going to be calling them winks from now on. I love that. Like winks from the universe. My mom taught me about like synchronicities at a very early age. And she used to tell me that the more you pay attention to them and not write them off as a coincidence, the more they will happen. And then people will think that you're just magical, but really you're just tuned in. Yeah. Yeah. It's available to all of us. Those synchronicities are available to all of us. And and I always say to, to my beloved, see it as a game, a game you might play. Like, wow, what will I discover today? Or what will show up today that I 
couldn't have imagined would show up or arrive or what blessing, what gift, what opportunity might arrive today that I couldn't have predicted that is absolutely part of the way that the magic and the mystery work. Mm. Yes, exactly. Take us through the next 24 years up until now and your book, The Calling. I know that is so much to, that's such a big question, sum up 24 years in a podcast. But for people who may be unfamiliar with you, what was that journey like? How did you begin being on the other side of this work and that shift from student to teacher? I mean, I'm from the boat of like, we teach what we have to learn. Mm. I don't know if that resonates with you, but how did you transition and also become an entrepreneurial soul coach? And how'd you start talking about what you do now? So the first thing I will say is that I'm always a student, a student first. And I really believe that all great teachers never give up being students because there's always so much to learn, to receive, to understand. You know, my joke is that, you know, we start to talk about arriving, you know what I mean? If there's, you know, we think about success, we often describe it as a sort of place where we arrive to. And I believe that we're always going to be arriving and that we will die trying to reach whatever the highest aspiration of our soul's expression is. And I do think that's what it is to leave this realm and go to the next, right? But I will say that for me, the last 24 years have been about recognizing that my work is about liberation. My work is about helping people come home to themselves and to recognize that we live in a world that often distracts us from our greatest wisdom and distracts us from our deepest truths. And that when we are distracted, we make choices and decisions that can often lead us astray. Now, what we also know about that is that there is grace in everything. And so no matter how much we may quote unquote get distracted or taken off the path, that there will always be an opportunity to come back, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And I do believe that that is the grace of the universe, that is the grace of love, that is the grace of source, however you define it, is that we will indeed continue to get a million chances to be able to come home to ourselves. And I describe home as the place where love resides, where love lives. Mm -hmm. It is a place where we know that we're whole that we're complete, that there's nothing to do or to be, that we are not lacking in anything. It is the place where we recognize that life actually operates in our favor and not contrary to our existence, which is so much of what so many of us have been conditioned to believe. We have bought into a ideology that says survival of the fittest. Mm -hmm. And whether we consciously are aware of that buying in or unconsciously, right? But those ideologies create that unrest in the center of our souls, right? They put us at unease. They create the anxiety, the disconnect, 
the depression, the hurt, the anger, the fear, the trepidation, all of the things that we navigate in the day-to-day that we are often trying to learn how to live with come from the kind of indoctrination that tells us that we are in some way, shape, or form missing something, that we are in some way, shape, or form have to fight or prove or validate our right to exist, and that in some way, shape, or form, we are not capable of the things that we believe we're here to do or the things that we aspire to want to do because of the passion that lives in the center of our soul. Mm. And so because we grapple with these messages or we grapple with these distractions, we don't often get to experience all of the magic and the mystery, like what we call the synchronicities or the winks, which is the incredible things that unfold before us. And the coming home to ourselves is about being able to recognize when we are in the state of our true selves, our whole selves, and when we're in the state of distraction, when we're in the state of limited thinking, or when we're in the state of challenging what is really the truth of who we are. As you see, what are some of those distractions or ideologies that we unconsciously or subconsciously subscribe to? Just some things that we could be aware of to be like, oh, this is a distraction. This is taking us away from wholeness and love. Yeah. The belief that there is not enough is a distraction. That there's this sort of fear that there's only so much to go around and that a lot of us are not going to get what we need in order to survive. So it becomes at a primal level a sense of anxiety or dis-ease because the belief that we will not have what we need in order to make it is driving our choices, our decisions. And we can look at that in a larger sense in terms of the way our world operates, right? There can only be number one, <laughs> right? There can only be one number one and, and that this whole idea, even that there is a ranking or a hierarchy to our human existence is yet another distraction right? That this belief that some people are better than other people, a distraction, right? Or that this is what you should aspire to as a standard. So somebody establishes a false standard and now you got to strive to meet it. And there are these ways in which sometimes we trade the best parts of ourselves to meet these external standards, or there are ways in which we tell ourselves we're not good enough or we're not worthy because of some false hierarchy that someone else has established, right? All of these things distract us from our true wisdom. They distract us from our true power. They distract us from our true missions even and what it is that we're here to do and be and have and bring and experience And part of our work, Mary, is to grapple with that. Part of our work is to be in the practice 
of coming home to ourselves. But my work is about supporting you and having that experience of alignment and attunement become so deeply ingrained that you know when you're off. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? You know, like, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, my compass works. Yeah. Right? I'm in a relationship where I'm not being respected. I'm working in an environment that doesn't see my skills. I'm chasing after something that somebody else told me I should want. But if I really ask myself if it's really what I want, the answer is no. I think a lot of people are waking up to that in different ways, whether it's on a personal level and like you describe it, just this, I don't know, inner whispering or knowing or just a feeling that something feels off or that they need a change or whether it's more on a cultural, even global scale of a lot of people realizing that the systems we have in place in our society are not ideal or are ideal for some, but not for most. And I really hear that some manifestations of that are like beauty standards and the way we think about money. And I think capitalism could be a big one in there too. And our hustle culture and this busyness trap and constantly, like like you said at the very beginning, summarized in one sentence is the belief that there's not enough, which is a collective way of saying the belief that we are not enough and we always have to be doing something to prove our worth. And I've heard you yeah. speak about this before, about I think somebody in an interview asked you a question specifically pertaining to capitalism. And I really, really have just been like itching to hear a, a response from you about it doesn't have to be particular to capitalism, but just in general, how do you reconcile the relationship between like knowing that something is wrong or that it's not right and knowing where you stand, going back to standing like in your values and also at times maybe feeling helpless or also feeling like anger and outrage is not the answer or solution and that, you know, at a certain point, even with COVID, for example, we're like, okay, like, are we going to learn to live with it? And how are we going to do that? How do you just reconcile stuff that seems to be like contradictory? I remember hearing you, an answer from you specifically to capitalism and how we were just coming to realize that our system is not ideal, just like any system is not ideal, but it's just come to the surface more clearly, I suppose. What is your relationship like to capitalism and then just in general? It's really like how we grapple with these systems that we know are failing and have failed. And as much as they may be unraveling, they may not be unraveling fast enough for a lot of us, right? And I think it's so interesting because I want to speak to the emotions first, and then I want to sort of talk a little bit about, I want to come back to this conversation of where we stand in relationship. So anytime we bump up against anything that challenges our values or principles, there will be heat. <laughs> it will get hot. There will be anger. There will be intense emotions, right? And I always say to my beloveds all the time, if you ever want to know 
what your values are, notice where you get angry. Because anytime you feel that heat, you're often bumping up against something that is operating in opposition to your values or in opposition to what you value. And I think for so many of us, there's a lot of schools of thought about what we do with our anger, right? And I will say to you that I think anger is important to work with in the right context and perspective, meaning anytime we're experiencing any form of intense emotion, there's often, I think, valuable information there. It does remind us what's important. It does point to what we value. It does beg the question of whether or not we are honoring ourselves or taking care of ourselves or taking care of the things that we say are important. It also encourages us to look at in what ways we may be living, operating, or being that do not align with the center of our soul and the values and the principles that govern what feels true to us as a way of expressing. I think the challenge that we face often is, one, we don't get a lot of permission to feel those feelings and really energetically in our minds, bodies, and spirits work through those feelings. And then two, we often don't get invited into anything else other than just an emotional reaction. And so what happens to your point is you can express anger, you can express frustration, you can express outrage, but if you don't see anything shifting, it's very easy to then fall into apathy and resignation. And so for me, what has been most game-changing, and if I stay in the conversation of capitalism, just because there may be many of your beloveds out there who are struggling with money or struggling around money, the way that our systems, our economic systems are currently operating. You know, for me, for a long time, I had my fist in the air against capitalism. Like, no question. And at some point, in my life, I recognized that it wasn't enough to be anti. That if I wanted something different for my life, whether it was around my economy, whether it was around my love relationships, whether it was around the way that I did my work in the world, that I had to meet it with a vision. I had to create a vision for what I wanted to achieve and that that's what got my energy and my intention, not the thing I wanted to avoid or abolish. And this practice of standing for what you're committed to versus standing against gives you a different energetic experience in your mind, in your body, and in your spirit. I want to invite you all who are listening to this to just feel into this from a body perspective. We'll go into a kind of a somatic experience from a body perspective. When you think about something that you're struggling against, where do you feel it in your body? And notice what the words struggling and against create for you in terms of a sensation. 
And just let yourself feel that right now. And notice the discomfort that you may be feeling as you're allowing those sensations to rise. Now I want you to stand for whatever you believe is the better alternative. If we take the example of health and maybe you're struggling against your health and well-being right now, you're fighting any form of discomfort or disease in your body. What would it look like to shift from that energy, that feeling, to a place of standing in and for your well-being? Such that you are inviting in the energy of well-being. And you're moving from a place of resistance to a place of receptance. And to just notice energetically, how does it feel when you make that shift? For me, when it came to the conversation of capitalism, I had to let go of my resistance and stand for my vision for an economy that worked for all, for an economy that would be governed and guided by my values and my principles, and to embrace the opportunity to create that economy for myself first and foremost, and then to invite others to participate in that economy with me. And every single one of us has that opportunity. And I talk about this in depth, Mary, in the book. We see economy as this thing outside of our reach. We see economy as this thing that we're at the mercy of. And I'm choosing economy, but I could say to you, racism. I could say to you, you know what I mean? If we start to think about the big challenges that we face Mm -hmm. around the systems and structures of traditionally defined power that we know are no longer working or serving our humanity, that in each of these cases, there is an opportunity for us to create the vision for what we do want to have. And to hold the vision more near and dear than we hold our commitment to the resistance of. Mm. And that that is where we begin to get some freedom. We begin to get some liberation. Mm-hmm. 
Because often when we're operating in resistance to these systems, they feel ominous. You kind of go, oh my God, how is little old me going to change big old that? But when we create a vision, say, I have to pull back from that. And I have to come to my own values, my own commitment, what I say is important. What is the economy I want to create for my own life? Which means, how do I want to earn? How do I want to spend? How do I want to save? Where do I want to invest? And when we begin to ask ourselves personally to become intentional about the answers to those questions, we go from being at the mercy of what is operating out there to becoming a conscious, active shaper of what we want to experience in here. And that has a ripple effect. Mm. I love the visual of a ripple effect too, because it's so, it's not necessarily effortless, but it's like once you have the first ripple, the first little wave, the rest just comes naturally and inevitably too. It just starts with that first one, if that makes sense. Totally does. Totally does. So if we stay with the capitalism example, I went from being someone who used to be mad about spending money to someone who became joyful about like, oh my God, I just supported this incredible new entrepreneur who is making these phenomenal chairs. And I just bought two and now I'm going to rave to my friends about them. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Mm -hmm. Or I just did this retreat with this incredible healer. And it was my joy to support that work. And now I'm going to refer her to seven of my friends. This is how we create new economies. Mm-hmm. And generosity breeds abundance. 100%. Tell us about The Calling, your book. So I wanted to create, as I reflected back on the opportunity that I've had to be on the front lines of our humanity for the last 30 plus years doing this work, I wanted to create something that represented a blueprint for how you find your purpose and calling and for how you answer it in a way that is profitable and sustainable and deeply impactful in the world. And the calling is my answer to that challenge. And I wrote the book in response to what were the three most common concerns that I heard when I talked with people about why they felt like they couldn't pursue their purpose or their calling. And this is a common conversation, right? I really want to be doing this, but I feel really called to do that. But, you know, if we just kind of notice even for ourselves, even those of us who feel like we're doing the work we want to do, in any given day, we will feel that tension. The thing that we want to do and the reason we have for why we can't do it, why we can't be it, why we can't have it. And so the book was designed to speak to those top three concerns. So the first concern, which is the first section of the book is dedicated to the first concern, which is the stay true section of the book, was who am I? 
And often I would hear, who am I to be doing this? Or who am I to think that I'm worthy? Or who am I to think that I'm capable? Who am I to think that people will listen? Or who am I to think that, that it matters or is important? And I wanted to, in that first section of the book, create an opportunity for us to come into full relationship with ourselves and to come into relationship with ourselves in a way that would be healthy and empowering. Because for so many of us, we've had such a long history of being in relationship with ourselves in ways that were not healthy and empowering. You know, we know we can be our worst critic and often are. Can be very hard on ourselves. So how do we learn how to heal that? How do we learn how to transform that? And how do we learn how to take back our power to create in ways that are forwarding and uplifting and that align and bring us the things that we want to experience or the things that we want to have or be? The second question I hear all the time, how will I pay the rent? So it's nice that I want to do that thing, but because I don't know how five minutes later from having the idea, I'm not clear about how it's going to help me support a family of five, it's frivolous, not worth my time or my energy or my attention, or it's backburnered. I'll get there someday, maybe. (laughs) And so in the second section of the book, which is the get paid section, we go really deep in understanding What does it mean to be aligned in our money truth? What does it mean to move, truly move from a place of scarcity to abundance? And what are the ways in which we've been taught to be disempowered around our money and the ability to earn that we now have the opportunity to take back? We also have the opportunity not only to do business or engage in business, or engage in economy in alignment with our values. But we have the opportunity to offer our best, highest gifts and skills to the people that we most want to serve. And what happens when we're able to do that and we're able to honor the intention of that? And so the second part of the book is the blueprint that walks you through that process. And then the third question is, can I matter? Can little old me really make a difference. And this is the place where we really go to work on our apathy or the way that we view the world and the way that we view ourselves in relationship to the world and the way that we often can nurture a belief that our efforts don't matter. But the truth is at the heart of it, all we want to do, Mary, is matter. It's all we want to do, right? Contribution is a human need. We want to be able to feel like We are working in ways that make a difference in the lives of other people, in the environments that we engage, and around the issues that we really, really care about. And so in that section of the book, I walk you through a transformative process that enables you not only to understand what your work is, but enables you to really actually put a stake in the ground that supports the ability for you to do your work in the world in a way that makes a difference. Mm. What do you see happening when people step into that and do work in the world that feels aligned to them and that's being in service when essentially they're 
living their calling. Mm. Success becomes inevitable. Inevitable. And it is success as they define it. So they first learn to discover what real success is for them, not their mother's version of success or society's version of success or their boss's version of success, but they get to define and determine what their own version of success is. And that vision and version becomes inevitable. What also happens is their quality of experience gets better. Life really does get juicy and sweet. That doesn't mean that we don't have challenges. That doesn't mean that we don't put forth effort, right? That's not what I'm saying. But even in the face of the challenges, there's still a baseline quality of life and quality of experience that becomes richer and far more fulfilling. Mm. When did you realize that for yourself personally? Where was that turning point where you were living your calling and it felt like something sustainable that could support living, but also support you on a spiritual soul level? What was that moment for you, whether it was in business or personal? I think a lot of people also, like you mentioned, confuse success with making money and we don't really take the time to define what our own version of success is. So I don't necessarily mean that, although it could be that because making money is also powerful and empowering. What was that turning point for you when you realized it for yourself? I think when I understood that I could create my own economy, there was something about the shift in that. Because to your point, and, and I find this as well, Mary, right? When I go deep with the entrepreneurs that I have the privilege of serving, the leaders I have the privilege of serving, what they're really driven by is impact. They want to move the needle on issues. They want to make life better for people. And whether they do that in the form of a product or they do that in the form of a service or they do that in the form of a, an organization or a movement, what they are driven by and guided by and inspired and motivated by is feeling like they've done something that matters, <laughs> right? <laughs> And so for me, making money was never enough. My highest aspiration has never been to make money. And when I speak to most people, and it doesn't mean that money is not important. It doesn't mean that money doesn't have a role to play, but it is not the end all be all. Often when you drill into it, people want money because they believe it buys them something. So then the question is, what do you think it buys you? Oh, it buys me freedom. Oh, it buys me space to really rest more, do things that I want to do more, explore more, and, and not feel this pressure to have to have everything earn, 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 earn. Or it gives me the opportunity to travel and see the world because that's what I want to do. I want to have experiences, ex different kinds of experiences are really important to me. So for me, when I got clear, that I could create my own economy and that I could create it from a place of what I value and my values, that was the turning point. And that was what then gave me the capacity to make peace with money and to make peace with making money. 
and to bring joy to sharing money, spending, and investing, and saving, because everything had a purpose for me. And I moved out of resistance and into receptivity, greater generosity, greater expansion. And that was when it shifted. Mm, Totally different energy. Here's the funny thing about it. My actions may not have looked dramatically different, but the context was 180 degrees different. And it is what produced my ideal reality. Wow. I want that. Where can we find your book, The Colleen? When is it available? And also, where can we soak up more of your wisdom online? So you can come to thecallingmovement.com and you can get access to the book. And the book is on Amazon, you know, all of the major outlets, Audible, if you want to listen to it via audio, it's all available on all of the major platforms. But, and you can come to the site, The Calling Movement, and you can get access to the book and all of the resources that are in the book are available and accessible through The Calling Movement site. I'm also for your beloved's going to add the link to the New Year's message because we talked a little bit about it and I know that this is happening top of 2022. And so I want to give, you know, your beloved's access to that. And then if you just want to learn more in general about the work and the initiatives and the things that we do, it is movethecrowd.me as in move me, movethecrowd.me. Oh, I love that. Do you read the audible version, the audio book? I do. Oh my gosh, I'm getting it just for your voice. It's so (laughs) soothing. Thank you. I know you mentioned voice lessons, and I think it's also an energetic thing that when you're living in alignment and in full embodiment, I can hear it in people's voices. Yeah, yeah. I have experienced that as well, Mary. And I think the practice, and again, this is so the conversation of 2022, you all, the practice is to find our voice and experience the shape, breadth, and depth of our true voice. And we do that when we're in courage. We do that when we're in alignment, right? When we're, we're following and bringing our energy and our attention to the things that we say are really important and that really, really matter. Mm-hmm. That's so funny you say that because I just signed up for voice lessons. I signed up for a 10-week program that I'm starting in two weeks. Uh I just think there's something so powerful about people who speak with resonance. And again, it's not like, oh, I need to learn to speak with resonance. It's very much about the voice coach I hired is very much about being present to the message. And then it's naturally going to echo and be received in in the way you intended to when you're again in alignment. Are we going to overuse that word today? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And that is, there we go. Here we go again. That is the practice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Alignment is also a practice. It's a practice, right? We come coming home again and it's like the pendulum. Every time we swing out, we swing back with more wisdom. We swing back with more clarity. We swing back with greater conviction. We swing back with greater love and reverence and compassion. And that is what enables us to become more who we really are. Mm. Amen to that. 
amen on a Tuesday today when we're recording this. And thank you so much for helping us swing the pendulum today back home to ourselves and spending this hour with us. I just cannot thank you enough and I cannot wait to read The Calling. And I encourage all my self-lovers out there to go pick up Ra's book and also go to her website and look at some of her talks online. You will just see her whole presence. It's going to I don't know. It, it, it's just magical. That's the only way to describe it. So thank you so, so, so much, Ra. I really appreciate you. Mary, thank you so much for your incredible work. I appreciate you and it's been my joy, truly my joy and my honor to be here. One last thing before we farewell. If you've been enjoying the Mary's Cup of Tea podcast, we would greatly appreciate if you could leave a short review on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts. Your feedback helps the show so, so much. I absolutely love hearing from you. And as somebody whose love language is words of affirmation, your words mean the world to me. Just go to the Apple Podcasts app and scroll all the way down until you see the review section. And from there, you can just tap the star thing and leave your own review. Thank you so much for supporting me and this greater message of self-love for all. Also, feel free to send this episode to a friend and spread the gift of self-love. And speaking of the gift of self-love, make sure you pick up my book, which is available in stores and online worldwide. Just head to maryscupoftea.com slash book, and you'll find all the links to give yourself the gift of self-love. I love you all so, so much, and I will talk to you next time. Mwah.